You're listening to Permission To, the podcast where we dive into the science and soul of owning your worthiness as a perfectly imperfect human being. I'm your host, Sam Jew, psychotherapist, positive psychology coach, mama to a beautiful five-year-old, Emily, and passionate advocate for living an inspired life. My aim is to show you that you have full permission to own your worthiness so that you can embrace your true nature and begin walking boldly toward your dreams. Let's dive in. Hello, welcome to another episode of Permission 2. Today we are talking to a dear friend and client of mine, Alicia. Alicia is a solar-powered queer woman, sunflower lover, and a cancer. She is an occupational therapist and co-host of the Sexual Health and Education podcast, Here to Fuck Spiders. Alicia is passionate about reducing stigmas relating to sexuality and fostering connection for others. You can find her hanging out on Instagram in her brand new Sex is Self-Care account, where she shares resources, education, and personal experiences relating to all things sexuality and health. I wanted to let you know that in this episode, we will briefly touch on Alicia's experiences of sexual assault. If this is not a subject that you would like to listen to right now, then please check out my previous episodes and I can't wait to see you next week for more. Before we dive in, I also wanted to let you know that Doors to Worthy to Expand, my six-week power group coaching experience are now open and this is the last chance for you to work with me in 2022. Uh, So if you would like to know more information, there's a lot of information in the show notes and I'm so happy to chat with you in DMs or by email. All right, let's dive in. Take us back to Alicia a year ago. Mm -hmm. Can you share a bit more about where you're at and where your life and your career was at and what led you to sign up to Worthy to Expand? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Some a year ago, we'll rewind a bit. Um, So I would have been at the end of my first year working as an occupational therapist, so OT, um, but like my first year of full-time work. I was really enjoying the job generally. I was, I just started like a new rotation. So it was a new area, I think would have been around the same time. But like the first half of the year, I had loved the job that I was in. I was struggling a bit managing, I have endometriosis Mm -hmm. um, and I was struggling a bit managing that with full-time work. I was just finding that, I'd had like the marina in for a couple years and I just felt like maybe the hormones were starting to like fade off a little bit because my fatigue levels were just getting quite high even when I was doing you know all of the things that they tell you to do and I'd like followed up with the specialists and I was doing all I could on my end Um, but I was just still finding that it was quite hard to manage like full-time work I was having to take like sick days occasionally because like just like there were some days that I literally physically couldn't get out of bed um but then like on the next day I'd be like completely fine so it was like it was kind of hard because like no one could tell that I was sick like I'd show up to work and I'd be good um but on the days that I was like dealing with chronic illness things that like it was difficult um so that was sort of like happening around the same time um we also had some like injuries in the family my grandma had had a fall mum was struggling with an ankle injury a few things going on there um but yeah, I think I was just starting to feel like a little bit like lost at work. 
just like new environment, those sort of things. Yeah. And then um, I guess what led me to signing up to Worthy to Expand was the question, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, first way that you worked. First, yeah, the first one. The very beginning of the journey. Yeah, right at the start. <laughs> um, probably what led me to signing up to Worthy to Expand was actually like I'd been chatting to, like I've been in therapy before and I was like in the process of still like seeing a psych, but I was just struggling to find you know, Sykes also works similar clinical hours to what I was working. And so it was just so hard to find someone that I liked working with, whose hours fit and like with the costs of everything. Um, And I actually just, I think I found you through um, someone I met at Cold Nips, Hayley. I think she's working with you. Yeah. Yeah. So like I'd seen you pop up on her um, Instagram and then I'd like gone for a little little search on your Instagram (laughs) and found your podcast. And I just like really liked your energy, just like found you super calming. And I was like, I saw like the offer of Worthy to Expand and I was just curious. Mm. Um, And I think that's probably what led me to do it because I was looking for something that was like a space that I would have to be like accountable to do sort of like mindset work or like self-work. Yeah. Um, I have all of those skills in myself, you know, like I'm like I'm qualified to do that for other people. So it was like... I just needed a space where I could feel like safe to explore those sorts of things. And I like, and it just seemed like the perfect fit at the time. Cause I was like, also it was like same sort of weather. So I was like struggling with like, it had been like rainy and like my mood was like low. And I was like, I just need something that feels a bit more like sunshine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I think um, anything I create, I, you know, I love it to feel warm and comforting and yeah. Mm-hmm. And sunshiny. Um, and, but I thank you for also bringing up the fact that you're, you're like a highly qualified, um, occupational therapist, like you've done like four years at uni, right. Mm. And you know, so much about mental health, but I always say this too, like, just because we know how to do that for other people, doesn't mean that we know how to do it for ourselves. So it's, it's a really good example. And do you know what you were hoping to get out of worthy to expand? Like, did you have a sense of like, desiring your life to shift in some ways as well Mm, I think I was just looking for some clarity like I got into work straight out of uni and that wasn't really my intention um and I wasn't really sure you know what sort of workplace I was wanting to stay in OT is super broad and there were so many areas that I could have explored at the place I was working but then it was also just like not sure whether that was the environment I wanted to be in so I think it was just like clarity in myself and even just like you know, I was like debating whether I needed to be, I had this thing about wanting to be able to work full time. And I just sort of was like, my body was giving me all these signals that I was like, this might not be right for me at the moment. And I think I just needed someone else to be like, you can do whatever you need. Like, and so sort of just like trying to find, I think that's what I needed, just like some clarity around how to take care of myself at that time. And that space, maybe that space to explore, you know, mm. because when we, you know, we graduate from uni and then we go straight into working full time, um, in some ways we can just feel like we're in survival mode, especially yeah. like you're working in a hospital, right? So there's like mm. a lot of trauma, it's mm. very busy. And so it sounds like you needed some space to almost like reflect and, and, and like breathe life into what you actually wanted for your life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think especially like, given you like I went straight into working into the pandemic as well so Mm. like you know healthcare workers are doing their best but like everyone is so exhausted as well so it was just sort of like looking at like my surroundings and being like 
what is the space that I want to be in right now? Like what's going to make me feel held? And I think that's what like drew me yeah. to worthy to expand. Yeah, needing to be held as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, it's been like such an honour to journey with you <laughs> um, because then, yeah, you ended up also signing up to do Permission Granted this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah together for a full year and Mm. oh I know um I'm sure many coaches would feel this that when you get to work with someone through the different seasons of their life like there's Mm. just nothing that delights me more than like those longer term relationships yeah Um, yeah, and and witnessing you change and grow and so what do you think's been the biggest mindset and inner world shift um for you since you started working with me you know yeah it's been almost 12 months hasn't it yeah absolutely um I think the biggest thing there are a couple of things that sort of like came up with that Mm -hmm. question I think the biggest thing is actually just like learning to show up in my humanness Mm. I think like I always have been I love to be sunshine for people and I love to make people feel really warm and comfortable um but I think it also like means that when I was having like low times or if I'm just not feeling awesome um I struggle to show up at all because then I feel like I'm letting people down yeah and so that was something that like it was something I discussed with my therapist previously and it was like something that I found working with you I was able to explore that like a bit more and just like and it's still like a work in progress but it's like something that I'm giving myself more permission to just be like to just be a human. (laughs) I love that. And I think there's something about, because both Worthy to Expand and Permission Granted are group containers, right? And Mm -hmm. so it's almost like um, being held and and deciding to be brave and kind of show up in all the different sides of you. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the acceptance from the group that that can be so healing, right? Yeah. It's so special. Like I think even just seeing everyone else go through those cycles as well. Like I think we've all sort of like, interchangeably had weeks where we're like in tears or like wanting to speak lots or not like feeling really lost and like you see you see it reflected back in yourself as well and I think that's been as like as obviously difficult it is to experience yourself (laughs) it's actually been quite freeing to see that in everyone as well because it's just sort of like oh like we're all just here (laughs) here. there's nothing wrong with me like this is just part of my humanness you know Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and what do you think has been your biggest achievement this year? Like what have you created and what have you, um, yeah, what have you done with your life in the last year? Um, I think I've just created space for myself. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing, I guess, like the thing that we've been working on for ages was the podcast. Yes. Um, so like finally created the podcast, which anyone wants to listen is called Here to Fuck Spiders. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but I think that was probably the biggest project that, I'd had sort of in the back of my mind for a couple years and so it was nice to have the space to just like play with how to get that going Mm -hmm. um but otherwise just to like reconnect with things that I enjoy doing like I feel like having like it feels like an achievement to just be like I can catch up with people again and I can take care of my health and I can eat when I feel hungry like (laughs) really simple things (laughs) Yes. And I think so a big thing that you've worked on, right, is stepping away from your job, like your full time job in Mm -hmm. in hospital OT, like and actually recognizing like that's quite a brave action to go, you know what, this isn't for me, the traditional, Mm -hmm. you know, full time government work can feel like 
very safe um, work, you know, with a guaranteed yeah. income, but you've been really brave in stepping away from that, I think, and being willing to explore what else you want to do. Yeah, which like feels, it always feels scary because it's like so different yeah. to what I think even if you think about the original plan you had about whatever it was, like I've never had a super traditional plan as it comes to work, but it's so yeah. easy. Like once you get a job to just be like, oh, I'll just stay here because yeah. that, that's like what you do. <laughs> yeah. And tell me more about what you're working on now and like what you've, um, what you've created, like, you know, this new kind of business and area of expertise that you're creating. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess like the area that I'm like looking into uh, is like around sexuality and sexual health. Mm-hmm. Um I started like a, I very recently started a little Instagram account, like a public Instagram where I'm like hoping to be able to share like resources and education and those sorts of things. But I guess um, it was a question like why I've moved into that area. Or just what, yeah, I was really curious what you've created because so it sounds like, you know, since um, Worthy to, in Worthy to Expand, you were very much in a traditional nine to five job. And then you've essentially gone, no, I'm walking we're walking away from that mm. and um, I'm creating something. It, to me, what I can see you doing is like designing your life um, mm. around you. And, um, yeah, so it's exciting to share with the audience that you have decided to like specialise in sexuality and sexual health. Mm, yeah. And, uh, you know, that's why the, the name of this episode is also the name of your new Instagram mm. business, right? So permission to view yourself as, um, to view sex as self-care. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's really exciting and inspiring to see someone who's like a relatively new grad going mm. straight away, like, this is what I want. I'm not going to spend like 10 years just working, you know, for the government and not um, focusing on what I want to do as well. So I think that was like what's been tricky is like fighting that imposter syndrome of being like I don't have 10 years experience under my belt um Mm -hmm. but like realistically you know I'm planning to go back to uni next year to do I'll do a grad dip in sexology Um, but like it doesn't mean I'm any less qualified right now to talk about those sort of spaces it's one of those things that if you are creating the content and you're providing the education to people then like you're doing the work already I think so. And when I look back at my life, like I spent like 15 years working in social work and like, yeah, some of it has really shaped the coach that I am now, but like some of it was completely not relevant to what I do now. And like when I see um, humans who are, who are starting their businesses much earlier in their career journey, um, I just, I just feel really delighted for you because I think you're putting more energy and more time into the things that you're really passionate about rather than kind of following the traditional employee model. So I think, I think it's wonderful. Um, so let's dive into your areas of expertise, because as you said, like, I really believe this too, like it, you, you have got like a university degree in OT, which has got a lot of mental health components, but you've also got so much life experience. Um, so I'd love to know more about your journey with sexuality and sexual health and how you became so passionate about these topics. Um, I guess there's a few things that have like shaped my perspective and drive around this area. Um, so I'll like touch on a few different yeah. areas. Um, so the first one I'll start with um, was, I guess, my journey with like sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like these days probably identify most comfortably with being like a queer woman or being like pansexual. Um, and I remember 
it would have been probably like late, late high school, like year 11 ish when I started to realize that I didn't fit into like the default of a straight person. Um, and it was just like, so interesting to sort of like confront that in myself, because I've always been like a very big advocate for like all LGBTQI plus people, um, any of those sorts of things, but like in high school, like I was still like the time when I was going to high school was still when people was using gay as an insult. Um, so it was like, I used to address that with people a lot and sort of call people out for that sort of behavior. But I remember when I first realized that I might have feelings for a girl, it was so interesting to see still like almost like the internalized homophobia that comes up just from like the general messages that you've been sent your whole life. Um, and like having to sort of confront that and be like, actually like, like for ages, you know, it's like, oh, are we just really best? Are we best friends or are we more than best friends? Like, and it just got to the point where I was like, I wouldn't be questioning it this much if it was a guy. Like, yeah. like don't give yourself, like, I, f I didn't feel like labels worked for me at the time. And I was just sort of like, I don't need to do labels. I just need to like, let myself do what feels comfortable for me. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess that sort of then started me on this journey of like, needing to find like role models and people that I could see that were living fulfilling lives that were in similar positions because even like the queer people that I knew in my life were all quite like mask presenting women as well and like at the time I was like very femme presenting um like quite girly and it just didn't like fit with my idea of what I knew of things um and so like I went down the like rabbit hole of finding like all the queer youtubers that like you know would talk about sex and provided sex education and even just had like open and out relationships on the internet because like we just don't have those sort of role models in mainstream media we we have some now but still like not really <laughs> yeah it's slowly changing but there's still a long way to go isn't there yeah and so I feel like that was something that like definitely helped shape my perspective around those sorts of things just because like I've always looked at things through I guess more of an open lens um and I've, it then sort of like meant because I was just like even if I don't know what what I am in quotation marks I was like I don't want to live in a way that doesn't feel authentic to me and I remember even in high school having people come up to me and being like oh like seeing you so comfortable with your girlfriend made me realize that actually that's how I want to be or this like and I had a few people come up to me and I was it was just so powerful to have other people feel comfortable in themselves to be able to like claim that space mm, that so is, that was something yeah it's something like a um it, it's really beautiful to describe that isn't it because it's like that example of when we do the work ourselves and it ripples out onto other people yeah also I think what's really interesting um and so fascinating about human nature is the way you were able to be accepting of other people and their sexuality straight yeah. away that it took longer for you to do that inner inner acceptance we yeah. often do yeah hold people to different standards um than, than we do to our own like we can hold ourselves to like the higher standards or mm. so it's really interesting it's that you had to do that inner work mm. first yeah. yeah and even like realizing I think it's just like knowing that like life might be a bit harder like it mm -hmm. wasn't that I was like necessarily like I wasn't ashamed of yeah the way that I felt but I think it was like innately knowing like yeah. that does make you different and that might bring unwanted prejudice your yeah. way 
And so it was like, if that was going to be a decision I was making, like you have to then also be feeling comfortable and safe enough and sure enough in yourself to be like, no, this is, this is what I want out in the world. Yeah. And is, uh, yeah, like, and, and has that been your experience? Like, because I, you know, I'm sure that many would agree with you that life has been a little bit harder. I guess in some ways, I think it's just that like, like the irony, like people always talk about like coming out and like, Mm -hmm. I'm not really a big believer of coming out. I think you just shouldn't assume people's sexuality to start with. Um, But I mean, like for me, like I'm currently in like a straight presenting relationship. And so then people just assume they're like, oh, so you're straight now? Like, and it's one of those things that it's just like, you're constantly coming out like your whole life. Yeah. Um, And it is, it does come with like it, people have the need to then impart their beliefs on you for whatever it may be. (laughs) And that's, I think, a lot of emotional labour for you in some ways, isn't it? That constantly having to, you know, come out. And I think that's why, you know, we all have a responsibility not to assume. Mm. Like one of the first things I was taught in my therapist training was like, you don't ask a teenage girl or do you have a boyfriend, which is so easy to just, or you say, do you have a partner? You know, just very small little tweaks, um, you know, can, can, I guess, just be, be more inclusive with your language. Absolutely. And it can make such a difference for the people on the receiving end, like, and especially even like in a healthcare setting, it's like potentially Mm. the healthcare you're giving isn't relevant. If like, you know, Mm. like being in, like going to get a health checkup and they're like are you sure you're not pregnant and it's like well I was with my girlfriend for the last nine months so probably not like yeah. but like they've asked they haven't asked that question you know like yes it's so um, assumptions that are made yeah I think that's why like I'm so excited about your podcast because I think it's like a real opportunity for all of us to educate ourselves mm. you know massive gift to the to our community and yeah. um so was there anything in particular that really drew you to this field around, um, you know, sexuality and sexual health? Mm. So I think like, I guess like that impacted then just understanding because like so many other people had come to me with their stories after that mm-hmm. and like how isolated you can feel in those spaces. And I think like I'm very privileged to say that, you know, my family has always been very supportive of me. Not that it didn't have like its scary points at times, mm-hmm. but like I've always been very supported. So like, that's not the common story for lots of people and I guess like it drew me to wanting to be able to support people going through those sort of experiences or just to mean they don't have to happen you know if we'd lived in a world where straight wasn't the default Mm -hmm. and where we didn't assume people's gender and sexuality like it would be so much easier for people to just exist and explore themselves as feels comfortable yeah I guess so that was like one of the things and then I'll just like briefly touch on a couple other things that like contributed to me wanting to be in this area. Um, I got diagnosed with endometriosis when I was about 16. Um, And it was like, I had appendicitis at the time and they ended up going in and taking out my appendix. And the surgeon actually like went in and then was like, oh, so like, turns out you have endometriosis. That's what we found when we were in there. Um, And I had no idea what that meant <laughs> at the time. And he was like, oh, I tried to like burn off some of the growth. So like, you should be all good now. Um, and in hindsight, hearing from specialists now, they're like, he had no no right to do that. And that was beyond out of his scope as a gen surge. And I'm like- I was well, going to say like, when you said that, my whole body just kind of <laughs> like 
Rick was like, hang on, don't we need to ask for consent before we do things so to human yeah. bodies, you know? Like, at the time, you know, I don't think I'd really, like, I didn't really understand, like, I'd signed probably a waiver that said it was like an exploratory surgery because yeah. they were before it was appendicitis. Yeah. And so, like, technically, I probably had signed to say, like, if you find something that's wrong, yeah, help me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was so interesting, like, afterwards, like, he hate like I guess like you know there were so many warning signs that I like I had lots of period pain and that sort of stuff but mm-hmm. um even like when he, he was like oh you must have been feeling sick for months like your whole abdomen was infected and I was like oh I just like always have pelvic pain like yeah. and so he was like oh well hopefully that's now sorted because I've like fixed your endo yeah. um and that was actually the start of then a very long journey of like trying to heal the things that he had done mm-hmm. because he he didn't perform the surgery like appropriately uh, I'm sure he was like, it was well-intentioned you know like I'm not trying to mm-hmm. rat on him um but it just meant that that then started like a long period of me you know exploring various contraceptive measures to manage pain um like had another surgery down the track and even just like the amount of doctors that I then had to like go through and like you're constantly having to battle that your pain is real like and again it was one of those things that I think led me to then wanting to support people with sexual health because endo was something that like you know 10 years ago we just don't have the information that we have now Mm -hmm. um and it's brilliant that we have so much more awareness around it now but for lots of people it's such a long process to get diagnosed and then even the support to manage lots of the symptoms is still not really understood and it's um quite a biased area I guess Mm -hmm. that contributed as well to to my need to be like we need better support here (laughs) yes yeah and more maybe some more sensitivity in the medical profession you know not all of them but yeah some you know it I guess it's that generalist versus specialist absolutely yeah isn't it but so it sounds like that surgery actually made things worse for a little while before you kind of worked out Mm, and I like and I guess like I didn't know that until I saw Mm-hmm. the person who is now like my specialist yeah. like until we had those conversations and she was like he never should have done that mm-hmm. and I remember being like uh-huh that's <laughs> that's interesting like oh. but you know hindsight it's character building <laughs> yeah it's right it's um interesting I've had a few sur- um, surgeries lately mm-hmm. like, you know, the last couple of years and what I realized is um I was so uh, I just go into this kind of easygoing good girl mode when I'm um, being treated by a health professional. And then I've often been really disappointed with the treatment I've received. Um, but they, yeah, a lot of doctors aren't used to being challenged or like, you know, people just saying, hey, actually, like, I'm not happy with you doing it this way or I'm not happy with the service I received. Um, yeah. And I think that's what I've learned from yeah. my experiences with endo as well and links back into why. I want to help people even just with health advocacy because I have so many friends now that will message if they're going to go see a GP and they're like how should I prep for this appointment and it's like just like understanding that like you are the client and the consumer and they're a service provider so like you deserve to get adequate if not above service for your healthcare you know like and they might know everything and they also might not and it's within your right to get a second opinion like yes 
that's very important. <laughs> and if they don't care, like what I found, I had a colonoscopy when my um, baby Frankie was um, maybe three or four months mm. and I had to do all this fasting and everything. And it was just so obvious to me that the surgeon didn't care that I was breastfeeding. Mm. You know, I asked him, um, you know, is there any way we could adjust the protocol and things like that? Because I was, I basically had to fast for like 24 hours and I was quite mm. worried about my milk supply. And then later on, I found out that a female, um, a female GP in the waiting room was like, oh, no, you could have been on a different protocol because you're breastfeeding. And I was like, nah. you know, so sometimes, you know, people, you, you like to assume the best, don't you, from people. Yeah. Sometimes the things that you care about, they might not see as important. Yeah. And what, what advice have you got, actually? I think this is very relevant to this topic. It's not just about um sexual sexual health and health like what advice have you got about how to advocate for yourself if you realize that the professional you're seeing doesn't maybe value the things that you value um I guess if there's someone that like you still need to see like if they're if you're not ready to see someone new um you can always take someone with you to appointments um I would recommend even like making sure that you've like gone in with like almost like write down in your notes the things that you wanted yeah. to talk about so you can't get like steamrolled in an appointment and you miss things that are important for you to discuss mm-hmm. um and if you are getting that situation of like you're coming in and you're being like hey like I've got this concern um and they're doing the like it's not a problem come back later or yeah. I'm not really worried about it like ask them to write that down be like can you document that I came in with this request and yeah. you've said it's not a problem and can I just get a copy of the notes yeah most doctors aren't going to be comfortable to do that they'll say okay I'll send you for a scan yeah um, and if they are comfortable with that then you can take those notes to a new doctor and say I've already been to see someone I would like more support than this yeah and I think like it's just something that we like sort of need to become more like habitual about I guess like doctors are doing their best as well like it's this is not at a fault of theirs it's just more that you know just like you have therapists who you get Mm -hmm. along with really well and other ones that you don't like it's finding the right fit for you yeah Um, but I think this is like how you can like weed out the people that don't don't fit with your values as well yeah exactly so it's preparation and it's being prepared to walk away from someone if they're not the right fit for you which I think can be really difficult um Mm. but yeah like meeting new doctors can be quite anxiety inducing as well yeah and with specialists it's almost like I've just been in a bit of a bad habit of just accepting whoever my GP referred me to Mm. Um, but then I've realized yeah even if it's just a one-off procedure if this person's gonna if I'm gonna end up feeling really angry and uncared for at the end of a procedure then I need to actually go hang on no Mm. I want to do my own research and choose my own specialist rather than accepting the referral And like that's another thing I think that's important is like checking that with your GP like if they've been like oh I'm just going to refer you to this person like and you're nervous about that you can always just say like oh would I be able to do some research and then I call you with the name I'm happy with and then you give me a referral because most GPs will be happy to do that they're just like trying to give you an option yes actually that's very true for mental health too like I'll often say like you know a GP might have a preferred psych or um, social worker or OT that they refer to but like ultimately you get to choose who you see so if you want to do research and then tell them the name um, that's another way so it's kind of about being really empowered isn't it yeah it's just like taking so much more control over those sort of areas like yeah it's so easy to just go like they're the expert and we give them 
all of the control over our healthcare. And I, yes. I've found the same when I've been a patient in hospitals. Mm-hmm. You just sort of like you take the medication and you don't really ask questions because you're like, I know you're doing what's what's best for me, mm-hmm. but like you also do you know your body and if you're going to the doctors and you're like I need support with this or this doesn't feel right for me then like to trust your intuition like you know what's best for yourself yeah yeah you sound like a friend you'd want to have in your corner (laughs) navigating anything to do with health or sexual health Mm. Um, is there anything else you want to share about your journey um to this topic you know was it was there anything around studying OT or any other life experiences that kind of made you call to this area? Because it's a very specific niche area, isn't it? Sexual mm-hmm. health. Yeah, no, it is. It's such a niche. And I guess there's two more things that I'll touch on um, that sort of like brought me that really solidified it. Because previously I was like very interested in mental health mm-hmm. and I still am. But I think the reason that I've now moved closer to it being like sexuality based and sexual health is Um, I've had a few experiences of like sexual trauma throughout the years Um, and I just found that it might sound weird to say but like all of the instances I think could have been prevented with adequate consent education and sexual health education like I don't necessarily think that in my circumstances that the people who I guess you would consider perpetrators like I don't consider them to be inherently bad people Mm -hmm. but I think that they were brought up believing in certain systems in certain ways that just led them to not actually understanding the basics of consent which like happened to you (laughs) I mean yeah it's sadly these these experiences are are too common now right Mm -hmm. and that's what I keep hearing you know like I've spoken to so many friends about like Mm -hmm. my scenarios and then you just there's a story for every person and like and I just think that like the start of reducing that is with education with education yeah like don't get me wrong there are probably like a small portion of the population who would make those choices anyway but I think there are a lot of people who if they had a broader understanding of lots of these topics they wouldn't be doing these things still yeah, I feel like we could do a whole nother podcast episode on that because definitely in my therapy practice, I found that, you know, most of the time when women are sharing their stories of sexual assault, it's actually, um, you know, it's people they know. It's like friends of friends who offer to drive them home to parties. And it's, yeah, it's it's not, you know, it's not all the big media stories that get. No, it's not a stranger. On. <laughs> yeah, it's very rarely a stranger. It's, yeah. um, and I think that's really, I find that really confronting as a mum. Yeah. Um, two girls, it's like, oh, there's so much education to be, um, to be, ha- to be given. So, so much. Wow. I think it's also like for ourselves to empower yeah. ourselves to mm-hmm. have autonomy over our bodies mm-hmm. and like genuinely believe in like not wanting to do things you don't want to do. There's so many people that are too, like it's almost a fear around hurting someone else's feelings mm-hmm. over like self-sacrificing. They're like, I'd rather just deal with it yeah. than hurt someone else's feelings or someone else get their ego bruised, which like that also is something that needs a lot more like support and education around. Absolutely. Like if you're, yeah, if your partner, you know, wants you to do something and you've already said no or you've kind of you know shown them no then that's it like it's just a, a full no there's no negotiating or pestering you don't owe anyone that but yeah. I think that's not something that we have been and I guess like specifically for like women yeah something that is quite socialized that like it's 
quite normal like even just like the early messages of like you're meant to be so polite and you're meant to make things make people comfortable like I think lots of that can feed into those then more traumatic experiences because you're still sort of like you've got that training in your brain yes yeah absolutely so it's very uh, what you've been drawn to is very broad isn't it as well is there like any um like any specific niche within your niche that you feel drawn to or do you love to talk about this this as a whole broad concept um I think I love to talk about it as like a whole broad concept I think that there's so many different areas that I could spend time in you know like consent education or counseling with like queer teens or um, even just like reducing the stigmas around STIs like mm-hmm. that's another area um, that I have like personal experience in as far as like I got um, diagnosed with herpes a couple of years ago mm-hmm. um, and not cold sores you know the type that everyone screams about like the germ yeah, yeah. Um, and it was again one of those things that it's like the it's the stigma that like was the worst part I think after having endo I was like the doctor pretty much was like, you have this for life and handed me a pamphlet, didn't give me any medication. And like, mm-hmm. and I remember just being like, oh, like, am I going to feel this sick? Because I was quite unwell at the time. Like, I was like, am I going to be this sick? Like forever? Mm-hmm. Like, like, is that, <laughs> is that what you're telling me? Like, and it just shows how much also like the fear mongering you get yeah. around that education early on, like yeah. it really shapes that initial diagnosis. It was like, there was so much fear, but then yeah. it's like, once you like, do the research and you find the support groups it's like it's not like it doesn't impact my quality of life at all you can take you know you can take antivirals that completely reduce the viral load so it's not even like as much of a risk like the amount of stuff around that that like it's not something that needs to be like scary like getting STIs is really part of having it's like part of the risk of having sex even if it's considered to be safer sex Mm -hmm. you know but it is again like I've had so much bias come from doctors who have been like again like best intentioned I'm sure but like from a position of like abstinence care or Mm. from a position of judgment or like you know telling you how they think you should live your life and I'm like well actually like just make it so that we have all the resources and then I can make informed choices and I think that's what I want to help people do Mm. is help them to have all of the information and then they can have the power to make informed choices however that looks for them knowledge is power and to get Mm -hmm. that knowledge without the judgment is quite hard isn't it yeah you really need to see someone who specializes in sexual health I think too Mm -hmm. you know and I am like when you showed me your new business name and your new Instagram name, I felt really excited. And that's why we kind of named the podcast after it. So <laughs> could you tell me more about this concept of sex as self-care? Because mm-hmm. um, I had never really heard that um, in, in that way. And I just thought, oh, this sounds really, really interesting. And I think my community would love to hear more about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess... I'll like start big and then I'll go small. So it makes a bit more sense. Yeah. Um, So like as an OT, we often talk about looking at like three areas of life. You probably Mm -hmm. know quite a lot about OT, but I'll just explain it briefly for people that don't know. Um, So like we consider occupations not necessarily to be like work, but like occupations are anything that could add value and meaning to your life. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you look at areas such as like productivity, leisure and self-care. 
So then with that consideration, normally things like self-care would be your showering, your dressing, you being able to eat, um, any of those sort of tasks that you do to take care of yourself and sex fits mm-hmm. into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so lots of people identify as being sexual beings, like yeah. sex is quite integral and important part to who they are. Um, yeah. I understand, you know, that lives on a spectrum and some people don't have sexual desire, but mm-hmm. I guess like with that consideration, I just like wanted to be able to address that like sex can also be so much more than the act itself. Mm -hmm. Like when I'm talking about like sex as self-care, it like sex can involve and is not limited to um, self-pleasure, sexuality, gender, relationships, intimacy. It could be healing traumas. It could be a whole like spectrum of physical touch. Mm -hmm. Um, There's even lots of areas you can look at like sex and technology. You've got toys, you've got apps, you've got sexting. You can look into ethical porn. Like there's so many things that could include sex. And then we can look at how that intersects with self-care. So when you link these concepts together, you have sexuality and self-care. We create autonomy over your own body, autonomy over your own pleasure. Mm -hmm. That's sort of like, yeah, that's probably how I would explain it. Does that make sense? It does. And you know what came up for me is like, I used to work with people with disabilities and I often found that like their sexuality um, and their sexual needs were almost like um, just so minimalized. Mm. Um, You know, I remember there was like a lot of um, controversy about whether, you know, a person with a disability could use their funding to to have a sex worker um, or, you know, to meet their sexual needs in some way. And and it was like quite controversial. And it's like, it's so interesting because we, you know, in, in social work and in OT, we kind of look at the whole person and we try mm-hmm. to, you know, help them live their best life. what's important to them. <laughs> yeah, and then it's all of a sudden sex, you know, is still somehow taboo yeah. um, or not seen as as important. So um, that was what came to mind for me, like how, um, you know, like it's such a human need, isn't it? But there is still a lot of... Um, a stigma discomfort around talking mm-hmm. about sex and yeah and, it's still and one of those things that can be like behind closed doors I think yeah exactly mm-hmm. um but yeah I love that idea of sex as self-care mm-hmm. um and I was really thinking like for someone who's listening who maybe wants to um become more comfortable with their sexuality or explore some of this like where where would they start um when it comes to using that concept are there any tips or tools that might be supportive for them yeah absolutely um I guess uh we start with also redefining sex Mm -hmm. I think there is Mm -hmm. this mainstream idea of what sex is that it's always you know penis centric and orgasm based Mm -hmm. and I think we start by allowing ourselves to broaden our view on sex um and you know you could journal on lots of these I'll like sort of talk about a few questions and it's Mm -hmm. you could journal on these things you could explore these with friends or with a therapist um I think it starts by getting curious about your beliefs around sex Mm -hmm. like what is sex to you what can sex be um and then creating an awareness around areas where you may hold stigma 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 or shame um like you know, some people may hold some shame around self-pleasure or about even just letting themselves mm. enjoy sex. Mm-hmm. Like lots of people seem to sort of move into almost like a performance mode when it comes to sex. And so like exploring those sort of beliefs. Um, 
exploring your identity, uh, what pleasure is for you. Uh, you could consider the physical aspects. So even learning to, you know, this would be something you probably work with people in as far as like doing grounding work. Yeah. Um, you can look at those sort of things, like thinking about physically, like what sort of things bring you pleasure. And this doesn't even have to be innately sexual. This could be like, I love sitting in the sun and I love the feeling of the sun on my skin. And that like makes me feel connected to my body. Yeah. Um, so it could be like those sort of like whatever level of sensations feels good for you. Um, and then on the other end, it could link into health in the way of it might give you more awareness yeah. around um, when things don't feel right. Mm -hmm. So when you're like, oh, I think that something feels a bit off or maybe I need to go talk to someone. It also like allows you to be more aware of where your body sits on those sort of like spectrums as well. Mm -hmm. um, and you could explore things like self-pleasure when you talk about the physical side as well. Um, and finding identity in self. I think another question could be having curiosity in about how you present yourself um, how you find attraction to people, exploring, um, you know, platonic or romantic or sexual relationships and connections, um, just looking into things like monogamy versus polyamory versus ethical non-monogamy, you know, like just like opening your eyes to curiosity around these sort of areas, even, um, you know, thinking about like, do you shave your body hair because it makes you feel empowered and confident or is it because of a gender that was placed on you from birth? Just mm. allowing curiosity in those sorts of things. Yes. I find that so interesting. Like sometimes when I haven't um, shaved my legs, um, I normally get them waxed so often. Yeah, they'll, they, won't, they won't get them done for ages. And then I'll feel like, oh, I want to wear a skirt today, but I can't because, you know, I've got hairy legs. And then I thought, mm. well, does it really bother me? Like, do I actually really care or has it... Um, yeah, has that kind of been conditioned into me that, you know, hair, hairy legs for, for me is a bad thing or mm. it's unattractive. And it, it's really tricky, isn't it, to like pull out what's important to you. Like I know some humans just love to have, you know, like freshly shaven or mm, you know, legs. And um, like sometimes I love to get a fake tan, just like if I'm going on holidays, it makes me feel good in my body. But then it's like, where is that coming from? Is that coming from me or is that coming from you know, outside society's kind of standards yeah. and things. It's Absolutely. And I just think it like, it helps us to know ourselves better, mm -hmm. like to ask ourselves those questions. And it's not necessarily easy answers either. Like sometimes it is realizing that you're like, I've never thought about this and maybe I don't want to do that anymore. And not necessarily having to make it mean something like it doesn't necessarily mean that you're this thing or that thing. It just means that you don't want to do that one thing yeah but yeah I think it's just like finding curiosity curiosity in lots of these areas yeah yeah I love that curiosity is such a powerful tool for self-coaching isn't it yeah. um and how much of like from, I was thinking from my point of view how much of my agenda my sexuality all of that has just you know been assumed mm -hmm. um you know because I'm also a bit older than you so like you know probably um my experience it was just yeah like you know, being heterosexual was considered normal mm -hmm. and it was very rare to question it. And I think it is um, like really powerful form of self-care to like reconnect with you and to question everything. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think like, I just want to acknowledge like yeah. as well, the, the privilege that I do have as a younger person growing up in a broader society these days, you know, people are a lot more accepting 
and it has given me the freedom to be able to question these things and to help people question these things. But I think now that we're here, like it's, it is a space that could let so many people feel so much more free in themselves. Exactly. And I guess what the other thing that comes up for me is like, if, if we do this work, then it's going to, we're going to be much more naturally sex positive around our children, Mm -hmm. around the next generation, which is then going to ripple down to you know to them as well so yeah Yeah. (laughs) I've worked with a lot of humans in therapy who um yeah their parents just didn't talk about sex or it was talked about in quite a negative shameful way and it really really it's like yeah it's quite a lot of work to unpack that so I try to consciously be quite sex positive around my six-year-old but it's very complicated no one teaches you you know these things it's not easily accessible information so absolutely I think your podcast is such a powerful, powerful tool. Yeah, it can be so difficult to know where to start. And I guess, again, like acknowledging even just that sex and sexuality can be a very vulnerable topic for lots of people. And I think the starting point is just arming ourselves with education and support to make it feel safe. Yeah. Um, So like moving through this sort of with like curiosity, but also allowing yourself to move at whatever pace works for you. I love that. Yeah. Um, I can give some sort of recommendations and tip, like more practical tips as well. Yeah, I'd love, I'd love some of those. I might also like highlight a few, I'll get you to highlight a few of those journal questions and we can put them in the show notes. Yeah, sure. So that people might want to, um, you know, actually go through some of those questions. Mm-hmm. But yeah, what are the kind of more practical things that you would? So some more practical things yeah. about like being able to connect with the concept of sex and self-care. Um, yes. I guess you could look at things like exploring self-pleasure for lots of people. This is something that might be new or a bit taboo, or even just like looking at it in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, you can look into, you know, buying sex toys, which if that feels like scary, you can even like, there's lots of YouTubers who are like sex education, sex yeah. educators, and they um, post like unboxing videos. Mm-hmm. So they'll actually like show you all of the toys and like can talk through lots of things. So you have like more of an idea or you can go into a store but um I feel like for some people who are nervous it might be like it might feel scary to go into a store Mm. um and there's also this website called omg yes which I think is more for like vulva owners um but it will talk all about self-pleasure like it talks about like techniques you can use and different ways that you can like touch yourself and explore it's got tutorials and like all of these other resources on there so that's like omg yes Mm-hmm. Um, and you could even explore things like ethical porn like I think Erica Lust has lots of different um, videos that have you know wider ranges of body diversities and preferences and it's a lot more inclusive and sort of steps away from the mainstream view that can be quite damaging for lots of people I think um, and even if this is all like too much for you you could even just like take yourself on a date or have a bath and just like do things that you know it's like conscious time that you're spending connecting to yourself and valuing what feels good for you Mm -hmm. so that all would fit into like the concept of self-pleasure um and then another simple tip would just be building it into a routine so like ot's love a routine um (laughs) (laughs) um, and so like consider ways that you could connect yourself connect with yourself on a daily basis you know whether that's before bed you want to create some sort of a practice it might be something simple like you know massaging your hands or it could be 
um, you know, being more mindful when you're having a shower about how the water feels on your body or things like that, that you can sort of like, you're not necessarily having to do extra things. You're just like living more consciously thinking about, Mm. I guess. I love that. Um, It's interesting how a lot of these practices intertwine as well, because I remember learning, um, I think it's in, I went to an Ayurvedic um, workshop at a retreat last year and they recommend like massaging your body with oil every day. I can't mm. remember if it was in the morning or the evening, but um, there's something about just, yeah, actually I think we can be, it's very easy to be disconnected from your body when you're on your phone and you're on your computer a lot. Mm. And just that practice of like massaging oil in can be so sensual and, and yeah, self-care as well, can't it? Yeah. And it can just, it takes you out of your brain. I think we spend yeah. so much time up here thinking about things and it can bring you back into your own body and like just like bring you back to feeling like physically and before you even consider like whether you want to have sex with other people it just lets you explore that safely with yourself which I think is really important and nice and then you know from a resources point of view people can always look up sex educators on YouTube like a great place to start is this lady Hannah Witten she's amazing as well um there's lots of podcasts out there about whatever topic you could be interested in there's heaps of books you can read um or you could always go see like a sex therapist or something like that to support you to explore these sort of topics more as well and you're probably going to be a sex therapist soon right that's the yeah (laughs) that'll be probably (laughs) I think you're yes you're someone that um, I think would be if, you know, if you needed to talk to someone and, and to feel safe mm. talking about these things, I think that you're, yeah, you would come to the Yeah, people are absolutely welcome to message me and chat to yeah. me. About <laughs> um, I was also just thinking, um, I don't know if there's a list or like how do you recommend um, finding, let's say that you're dealing with some sexual health issues mm-hmm. Um or you just you just want to see a doctor who's like really um, really sexual health friendly, I guess. Do you is there a like list that you can find of like recommended practitioners, or how do, how how does someone find those kind of people? Um, at the moment, I would probably say I guess there there is like a sexual health quarters I think in Perth where mm-hmm. I have doctors and nurses. Yeah. Um, otherwise, there's this uh, Australian girl who she started an Instagram account. I don't know if you've seen it. It's called Get Papped. Um, and she initially started it as a way to promote and create self-awareness around um, like cervical screens and making sure yeah. people get cervical screens. Mm-hmm. And she's actually created um, a GP directory Australia-wide. Great. Okay. And, like, and it's specifically for people that have recommended um, practitioners mm-hmm. that have been really, uh, you know, trauma-informed and conscious when they've gone for cervical screens. But I think lots of those would probably overlap with people who are also a bit more sex positive and yes. generally probably more caring. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, that's a great list. Maybe we'll put that down in the links as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was also thinking like, I don't know about other states, but in Perth, what about the women's health centers? Do you find mm-hmm. that they're, yeah, they can be quite knowledgeable. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. Would be as well. And even just checking, like when you go to see a doctor, most doctors have like the areas of experience, yeah. you know, and you can yes. normally check whether they're, you know, so there's certain doctors that say that they're um, women's health based or they're yeah. you know, mental health based or whatever the sort of specifics are that you're looking yeah. for. Yeah. Um, and just considering like asking your friends as well, like word of mouth is such a big thing, like checking yeah. people about if you're comfortable to talk to people about those sort of things to be like, hey, I'm looking for someone to help me 
with these sort of areas, have you ever gotten a test done? Have you gone anywhere where you've had a comfortable experience? Yeah, that's so helpful. I think it's it's about being brave and asking those questions from people, isn't it? Because yeah. it's not something they're always going to talk about openly. But if you ask a good friend, mm. that, you know, they're going to be okay to share. Um, they always message me if they want and I can <laughs> I can do the rest. Yes. Oh, thank you. I think like, we're, yeah, there's going to be a big list of resources from this chat. It's just mm. been so, so important. I feel like even having these conversations can and listening to them can be life-changing for some people. Um, and so how can people find out more about your work and what opportunities are coming up for people to work with you if they, you know, have a desire to work with you? Um, I, you can find me on Instagram at, uh, it's sex, it's like sexy self-care. So it's S-E-X-I-S-E-L-F-C-A-R-E underscore. Um, or you can find me at here to FCK spiders podcast on Instagram as well. Cause I have a podcast with my friend Hannah, um, where we talk about all things, sexuality and sex education. So you can find us on Instagram or you can find us on Spotify. Um, as far as like working with me, I don't have anything formal as of yet, but I'm always open to any sort of discussions that people want to have on Instagram. Feel free to like chuck me a DM. Um, even if it's just something that you want to know more about, I'll, I'm happy to like make posts about things that people are interested in, like open to any requests. So definitely yeah. recommend following you on Instagram because I think there's going to be some exciting things coming Mm -hmm. Um, from you and yeah your podcast as well and I've already put in an order for an episode around how to talk to your kids about sex (laughs) yeah I've had a few people from like permission granted be like you release an episode on like how to talk to your kids about sex like let us know (laughs) yeah well it's interesting because like we so we actually got like a pretty old school book but it is yeah very direct about what sex is and things like that and I thought, oh, is it too early to read this to my child? But then I realized, no, because she is going to hear about this stuff yeah. one way or another. And I would rather she heard it from me in like a safe, controlled environment yeah. uh, where she can, you know, so I just thought, no, I don't think it's ever really too early to start mm-hmm. talking honestly with your children about things. Absolutely. And like a resource I'd recommend actually from that point of view, yeah. there's a book called um, The Sex Ed You Never Had and it's yeah. by Chantel Odden. Okay. Sexologist. I can send you the name of it. Um, But it's like just a really easy to read book and it goes through a whole bunch of topics that are sort of like your basic like sex ed, Mm -hmm. which like I think would be a great even like bouncing point. You can like just like Mm -hmm. tailor it to what you think your daughters are like up to as far as, you know, what gets brought up in conversations. And she talks about it in a really like very colloquial, easy to read way. Yeah, I love that. Because even for us, I guess it was just that, you know, Emily became a big sister mm. last year. So it was just a simple question of how a baby's made. But I was like, yeah, I absolutely. really want to like make up some story about the stork or, you know, <laughs> I just want to tell you the truth. But you, yeah, so yeah, we kind of, you know, got a, an age appropriate book and um, yeah. started reading it to her. Um, but yeah, I think like an episode on that. So de- everyone follow, <laughs> follow Alicia's um amazing amazing instagram account and also um podcast and to hear about all the things that yeah you might need support with around these topics and and thank you so much for your time and your wisdom today absolute pleasure and for also so sharing your journey and story <laughs> my pleasure